everybody, welcome to the export. I am Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I know is a major basketball fan. So, how are you feeling with the opening week of NBA action? Um, I'm excited. I got a chance to go to the Grizzlies home opener on Wednesday. Hate that they lost, but I'm excited that NBA basketball is back, and I'm looking forward to. And you got to see your boy Zion in person. Yeah, I did, which I had a a love-hate relationship with it because so me and my friends, we want to go get concessions after the first quarter. So we basically missed like all of his highlight plays because the lines were so long. That's the bad thing about going to Grizzlies games is the lines are going to be mad long, especially, like, during breaks and stuff like that. That's why usually I either try to just make sure I eat enough before the game or I get something to drink beforehand before the lines get crazy because you know you're going to be in there for a minute, especially the home opener. You knew that mug was going to be packed. But uh, but speaking of things being packed, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Um, with our NFL edition of Believable or Buffoonery, we are going to talk NFL trade candidates and say whether or not we believe these stars around the NFL will, in fact, be traded. With regards to the NBA, we're going to talk Giannis's uh, new contract extension with the Milwaukee Bucks and whether or not they've done enough to show that they're dedicated to winning a ring. And lastly, we're going to play our NBA version of Believable or Buffoonery and make our first edition of NBA uh, night nightly game predictions for the 2023-2024 season. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out theexreport.net. I repeat, theexreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick things off with our college football player spotlight. And we're going to stay in Tuscaloosa, uh, highlighting junior cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. I mean, since he got to get some starts as a freshman a couple years back, he's been one of Alabama's top cornerbacks. And, I mean, he's looking like the top cornerback of this year's draft class. Though he doesn't force too many interceptions, he is a really good tackler and a good cover corner. Already has five pass deflections so far this season. I mean, we talked about how important edge rushers are, but in today's NFL, cornerbacks are just as, if not a bit more important. So what team do you think could target McKinstry come April? Um, I am going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Titans. I know a lot of people are banging the cannon for O-line, including myself. But from a defensive standpoint, their, their secondary has been really bad for a good couple of years. And I think they haven't really made a, a hit on drafting the corner. So, Kind of playing devil's advocate. I'll admit, when you guys got uh, Caleb Fairley, Farley, a couple years back out of Virginia Tech, I love that pick. Obviously, it hasn't worked out, but with Farley and just him not really being able to grow into the player that you wanted, do you think, not just you necessarily, but maybe the Titans fan base might be a bit apprehensive of taking a corner round one? Um, I would say yes. I also just think that, in my opinion, um, unless they address it with like free agency during the offseason, 
I think, in my opinion, the bigger issue is offensive line. Um, so I think a lot of people will want them to go that route. But, I mean, in my opinion, he's a guy from Alabama, and they've always shown to be solid. So it's, it's not something that would kind of, like, make me nervous if they were to go that route. Minus D. Milner, who was a first-round pick. What was that, the 2013 draft by the Jets? That's the last really bad Alabama corner I can think of. But I get where you're coming from. Um, for me, I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills. Tredavious White, everybody named Mama knows. I love me some Tredavious White, LSU Tiger. Their best cornerback they've had in a long time. Unfortunately, I think this is the second of the last three years where he suffered an Achilles or ACL injury ending his season prematurely. And, I mean, they just spent a first-round pick on Kyrie Elam last year, I believe, but he's been a healthy scratch for the past few games now. I think that he would be a really, really good fit. Last night, they were fine with Teron Johnson um, and the other guys they have in their secondary, but it's clear that they need another enforcer back there. They need somebody who can be consistent and match up against those number one wide receivers uh, with Tredavious White inactive, or at least the time it's going to take for him to rehab to get back to who he is by the time he comes back on the field. So for me, I think the Buffalo Bills will be a good fit. But all right, let's go ahead and look back at week seven. Admittedly, not a great week of predictions for either of us, and I'm going to explain why. Uh, Thursday night football, Jacksonville Jaguars beat the New Orleans Saints 31-24. to My Baltimore Ravens put a licking on the Detroit Lions 38-6. to Denver Broncos, I don't even call it an upset, but in a battle of disappointing offenses, the Broncos came out on top 19-17. to The Cleveland Browns and Indianapolis Colts have a game of the year candidate. Uh, Browns come out on top 39-38. Uh, New England Patriots in their losing streak beating the Buffalo Bills 29 to 25 Chicago Bears beat the Raiders 30 to 12 Washington Commanders lose a slow one against the New York Giants 14 to 7 uh Atlanta Falcons another slow and ugly game they ended up defeating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 16 to 3 Seattle Seahawks get the better of NFC West rivals Arizona Cardinals 20 to 10 Pittsburgh Steelers get the controversial 24-17 win over the Los Angeles Rams uh Kansas City Chiefs continue to prove why they run the AFC West beating the Los Angeles Chargers 31 to 17 Eagles beat the Miami Dolphins Sunday night football 31 to 17 and the Vikings upset the San Francisco 49ers Monday night football 22 to 17 you and I both went five and eight on our predictions so hopefully this next week we will get back on track uh, here's some of the injury news around the league. Uh, Browns lose running back Jerome Ford for the next couple of games with an ankle injury. Uh, Rams running back, we reported last week, he is going, Kyron Williams, he was going to be out for the foreseeable future. They've officially put him on IR. I believe he's slated to return week 12. Um, Steelers put tight end Pat Fryermuth on IR after he re-aggravated his hamstring injury. And Seahawks outside linebacker Uchenna Nuoso is out for the season with a torn peck. And you told me before the show you didn't watch much football, so I'm going to run through my takeaways real quick. Um, number five, no doubt that the Dolphins have a good team, but until they beat a top team, when I say that I mean the Bills, I mean the uh, 49ers, the Eagles, Chiefs, etc., I'll remain skeptical about them taking those next steps. Uh, number four, the Packers should be in the market for a veteran wide receiver before the deadline. Uh, this past week against the Denver Broncos, a defense that we all know has struggled, They none of their receivers really stepped up. I mean, their leading receiver was A.J. Dillon, 
a running back who only had two catches for 34 yards. The next uh, highest receiver was Romeo Dobbs, who had 30. Considering their opponent, considering this was supposed to be an offense that was going to be much better than advertised, it's kind of disappointing that they just have not been able to get much production. I understand Christian Watson's kind of been dealing with an injury, but still, the Packers need to do something because trying to rely on this young receiving core does not seem to be working. Uh, number three, the Commanders are coming for the Giants' spot as the worst offensive line in football. They allowed six sacks to the Giants this past Sunday. I believe I read that Sam Howell has already been sacked 40 times, and we're just now at week eight. Again, the Giants' offensive line is terrible, but the Commanders in recent weeks have looked arguably worse. Uh, number two, I was wrong about the Vikings. They did make the right move, taking Jordan Addison over a corner in the first round of this year's draft. If you guys listen to my uh, draft grades, I didn't hate the pick of Addison. I just questioned, um, considering how bad the Vikings defense has been over the past few years, why go the offensive route instead of a corner? But hindsight's only 20-20. You see now Justin Jefferson's on IR. That's a tough blow for them. However, you pair Jordan Addison, who just had a great game against San Francisco. TJ Hawkinson's looking like a top at worst, top three tight end in the league. So, yeah, they proved me wrong. And then numero uno, the Chargers have to fire Brandon Staley or make a major change before their season gets too far away from them. They're 2-4 and four right now. Like I said, it's only week eight. They still have a few more games to go. But if your star running back isn't really giving your head coach an endorsement and doesn't seem all that enthused to play for him, that should tell you something. And I'm sure if you ask that question to a lot of people around the Chargers locker room, you're going to get a similar answer. And just with that being said, I think that people have been calling for Brandon Staley to get fired for a long time now. And I think that since it seems he's lost the locker room, it's better to make that move now as opposed to later. So, yeah, those are my top five takeaways. And let's move on to our most impressive players of the week. Do you have any, or you want me to run through mine? Um, yeah, I'm going to let you run through yours. All right, bet. Um, my most impressive offensive player, I got to go Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Completed 21 of his 27 passes for 357 yards. Had three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Still did have a fumble on a handoff to Justice Hill, but other than that, played an almost perfect game. Uh, my defensive player, I got to go with Miles Garrett. I mean, he's a bad man. Anybody watching him on TV can tell he's a bad man. But seeing him in person and seeing the way he worked, it, it echoes that sentiment. I mean, had seven tackles, two sacks, forced fumble that led to a touchdown, blocked a field goal where he literally jumped over the Colts offensive line. I mean, it was pretty damn impressive. Um, my most disappointed player, again, we're just talking week seven, so ignore uh, last night's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I'm going the Bills defense, allowed arguably the worst offense in the league to score 29 points. That The Patriots had over 360 yards of offense, and Mac Jones was able to hit Mike Jasicki for that game-winning touchdown. Not the performance you want to see out of a defense that's supposed to be one of the best in the league. And then last but not least, my rookie of the week is going to go to wide receiver Jordan Addison. Just hyped him up a bit ago, and for good reason. Had seven catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, 
that's recapping week seven. Let's go ahead and look ahead to week eight. Here are some of the personnel moves, starting with uh, veteran edge rusher Chase Winovich, who's played for the Patriots, Browns, and others, has announced his retirement from the NFL. Also, the uh, Broncos safety Kareem Jackson has been suspended for the next two games following multiple uh, unnecessary roughness penalties. Originally, his suspension was four games, but was reduced to the two. And then the Los Angeles Rams released kicker Brett, uh, Brett Maurer after he missed three kicks this past Sunday against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And then now to some more signings and trades. Jalen Rager, former first-round pick by the Philadelphia Eagles, spent some time with the Vikings this past season as well. He has signed with the New England Patriots. And now on some news that directly affects Ethan and Titans fans. After a lot of speculation, it became official. Uh, the Tennessee Titans sent safety Kevin Bayard to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fifth and sixth-round picks in the 2024 draft as well as Terrell Edmonds. Again, you and I had kind of talked about the possibility of this happening. So what was your reaction when it became official that Kevin Bayard was on his way out of Tennessee? Um, my reaction was I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, when I saw it pop up on my phone, I was like, uh, okay, that's cool. I was expecting it. Um, I think my the initial surprise factor is – I just wasn't – I was surprised that, like, it wasn't – the Titans didn't – I didn't get announced as, like, the Titans made another trade, like, basically right after that, mm-hmm. which is trading Derrick Henry. That was more of the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, with Kevin Bayard, I mean, he's one of the best safeties in the league. You're, I think a lot of people would agree with that. He's been kind of quiet this season. And plus, he's another year older. There was a lot of contract conversations coming into the year. So it doesn't totally surprise me that he ended up leaving. I just like that y'all traded him to a contender. Um, just because, I mean, he's done a lot for y'all organization. And he's actually from Philadelphia. So it's dope that he gets to play for his hometown team. And I look forward to seeing what he does, you know, now rocking uh, the green and white. So I like that move for him. But all right, let's go ahead and keep talking about the possibility of trades uh with our nfl trade edition of believable or buffoonery and we're gonna start in tennessee uh with your guy derrick henry so how this is gonna work is we're gonna mention the name of a player who could possibly be traded say if it's believable or buffoonery and if we find it believable finding a team that would be the best fit for him so ethan starting out with king henry believable or buffoonery he gets traded i think it's believable Reason being, again, he's on the last year of his contract. The tight with Ryan Tannehill going down, the Titans have officially, I think, realized that it's better to try to rebuild and start fresh and see what they have in the young quarterbacks and the young talent. And so I think it's believable. Where? To y'all, the Ravens. Yeah, I I say it's believable as well. Like, right now, I could see it happening, but I think if you guys end up losing to the Falcons on Sunday, it's definitely going to happen because I think that will push y'all record to, what, 2-6, and 2-5, and five, something like that. Um, yeah. I could see Baltimore as well, but in case they want to get him out of the AFC, 
I can see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you mentioned you really didn't watch the game last night. We'll probably talk more about it next week. But their run game has been bad all season. I like Rashad White, but it's clear he's just not enough to really propel it. Maybe it's the uh, offensive line that's not doing too much. Maybe it's just a lack of talent in the run running back room. Either way, I think that Derrick Henry will provide a major boost to that offense that could really help good that could really benefit from getting the hand the ball out of baker mayfield's hand so much but all right let's keep things on the running back tip saquon barkley of the new york giants believable or buffoonery he gets traded i'm gonna say buffoonery i'm gonna say buffoonery too i would love for him to get traded because i'm a big saquon fan i want him to go somewhere and compete but he seems adamant he doesn't want to leave we'll see what happens but i don't think he's going to get traded either all right uh, last running back, Dalvin Cook, first year with the New York Jets, not much really going on. He's actually voiced his frustrations with the team and wants to play more. So, believable buffoonery, is he getting moved? I think it's believable. Um, again, he came there with the intent on playing more and potentially playing for a contender. And with Aaron Rodgers' injury, that kind of went out the window, and he's also not getting played in time. Where do I see? Um, I can see him in Tampa, kind of similar to what you said about King Henry. They need somebody that can move the rock and like through the run game, and he could be. I think he could be a more attainable option than Derrick Henry right now, in my opinion. I'd agree with that, and he's cheaper. Less, less. I mean, neither are that much of a risk because they're both gonna be free agents after this year. But yeah. Um, I agree. I think it's believable, but I'm gonna say the Dallas Cowboys. Um, what's his name? Jerry Jones said that he feels good about where the roster is, and I don't even think the roster is des in desperate need of a running back. Um, because I mean Tony Pollard, a guy you know we both love, has been playing well, but I think that they could really benefit from having like a thunder and lightning combination, kind of taking the pressure out of him. For, instead of him having to be the main guy, kind of get one of those power rushers back there, and I think Dalvin Cook could benefit from that. Sure. He wouldn't be in a position where he would be the top guy, but I think that, again, he'd be on a contending team, so that would at least make him feel a little bit better if he's not getting the excess catch, I mean, excess touches that he was getting like he did in Minnesota. All right, let's go ahead and move on to wide receiver. Uh, Raiders wide out Hunter Renfro. Um, I think it is believable. I think you mentioned the Packers looking for a veteran wide receiver. That's why I think he could end up on. Yeah, I'm saying believable as well. I mean, they just have not targeted him, which is crazy considering Josh McDaniels, considering the offense that he ran in New England, you would think that that slot receiver would get a lot of work. He has not. Um, so, yeah, but I'm going to I'm gonna go in the NFC North, and I'm going to go with the uh, Detroit Lions. Amon Ross St. Brown is amazing. No qualms out of me on that. Sam Laporte has been an awesome draft pick, arguably their best offensive draft pick of this year's draft. Um but I think their receiving core could use a little bit more juice if, as this Sunday showed, I think getting a guy like uh, Hunter Renfro in their slot who catches a lot of everything could be a really nice safety blanket for a guy like Jared Goff. All right, keeping things in Vegas, wide receiver Devontae Adams. I, I'm stuck somewhere in the middle on this. I'm going to say buffoonery simply because – I just think that Josh McDaniels and that front office is going to be stubborn and let and keep him in um, our face. Yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery as well, but they should trade him. 
I wish he was getting traded because I think it was Dan Orlovsky that said they're wasting his Hall of Fame career. I don't know if I'd go that far, but with a player like that, it sucks seeing him play on a team that's literally going nowhere, especially because he went there thinking that things were going to be different. So I would love to see him on a better team, but I don't think it's going to happen, or at least not this year. All right, uh, going back to Tennessee, DeAndre Hopkins. Y'all signed him in free agency, big free agent move. What do you do? I think we trade him. I think right now the best bet is getting rid of all his much older talent that still has value. So D Hop, D Henry, we already lost. Um, we already got rid of Bayard. Not got rid of traded Bayard. Let me put respect on him. Um, but yes, I think he'll be gone. Where do I think he'll end up? I think he might end up in Kansas City. Kansas City would be dope. I, He's another one I think should be traded, but I don't know if he will or not. Um, I'm, I'm going to say buffoonery just because I'm not totally sure. And especially, like, looking at the state of the receiving room, like, at the very least, he could help mentor the young guys there. Traylon Burks, is he – do you know if he's playing this week? It's reported that he, he'll be back this week. Okay. Well, yeah, like – I know the season hasn't been going the way you wanted to. Maybe get rid of D Hop after this season, but at least I I can see them having him stay around, kind of be a veteran to the young guys, and then moving on after that. Um, all right, let's go ahead to the defensive side of the ball. We got a pair of uh, Washington Commanders defensive ends, and we're gonna start off with the former second overall pick of the twenty twenty draft, Chase Young. Yes, I think he'll be traded. Um. I know a lot of people is connecting him to y'all. I know you have your feelings around it. I would either say y'all or um, maybe a team like um, KC that needs pass rush, even though their defense is still great. I'll say this. I would have no issue getting Chase Young as long as we don't have to give up Patrick Queen because there's no defensive player out there that we could realistically get that I'm willing to give up Patrick Queen for. I really want us to extend him. Uh, but, yeah, I think he gets traded to, and I'm going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen has been great, but Trevon Walker has been just a guy. And that's the last thing you want to hear about a guy you spent the first overall pick on. And so Chase Young, since he's been playing, and especially after missing week one, he's really been on and has showcased that ability that we saw his rookie year. It's just his health has been a big question. But I think if you're the Jaguars and you want to kind of put yourself up there with the other big dogs in the AFC and show, hey, we can compete, you got to be able to get more pass rush. And I think that Chase Young provides that. So, because I think Chase Young gets traded, I don't think Montez Sweat gets traded. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, last one before we make our game picks for week eight. Uh, Carolina Panthers defensive end Brian Burns. I think he's a buffooner. I think so, too. I mean, I think if they want to get that star-level wide receiver or if they're trying to go after uh, – if they want to end up getting back into the first round, they have to do it. I think because he hasn't done much this season, his trade value is much much less than it would have been last year at this time. And, I mean, I think Frank Wright and the staff just want to see some good things happen and he can help provide that. So, I'm in, in agreement with you. I think it's buffoonery as well. But, all right, week eight game picks. 
Starting things off with the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got Jags. I got Jags. Uh, New England, I mean, New York Jets versus the New York Giants. I got Jets. I got Jets. Houston Texans versus the Carolina Panthers. Battle of the first and second overall picks. I got Texans. Texans. Miami Dolphins looking to bounce back against the New England Patriots. I got Dolphins. Dolphins. Your Tennessee Titans taking on the Atlanta Falcons. I... I guess, obviously. Yeah, I do too. Um, Minnesota Vikings hoping to make it three straight wins. They take on the Green Bay Packers. I got Vikings. I don't trust the Packers offense right now. Hey, I got Vikings too. All right, next up, we got the Dallas Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Rams. I got Cowboys. Cowboys. Philadelphia Eagles versus the Washington Commanders. Friendly reminder, this game earlier this season went to overtime, believe it or not. I don't think that happens this time. I think the Eagles win uh, decisively. Eagles win. All right, New Orleans Saints versus the Indianapolis Colts. Saints. Uh, Seattle Seahawks versus the um, Cleveland Browns. I got Seahawks. Um, what's it called? Is out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got Seahawks. Truth to me, it really wouldn't make a difference. Um, mainly because of how he played last week. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Denver Broncos. Brother-in-law, you know I love you, but I got to go Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs. Cincinnati Bengals versus the San Francisco 49ers. By the way, it's looking like Brock Purdy will not be able to play. Was put in the concussion protocol following Monday's game. Either way, I was going to pick the Bengals, but I think this gives them a chance to win a bit more convincingly. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking Bengals because the 49ers defense hasn't been as great as it's been in the past. It hasn't, and for those of you who forgot, Chavarius Ward, a.k.a. number seven for the 49ers, is Jamar Chase's son, and he was getting bodied by Jordan Addison. What do you think Jamar Chase is going to do? All right, last couple of games, Baltimore Ravens headed to the desert to face the Cardinals. No word yet whether or not Kyler Murray is going to play. Doesn't make a difference. I'm still going Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going Baltimore too. Los Angeles Chargers versus the Chicago Bears, Sunday night football. Don't know why this is a Sunday night game, but I got Chargers, and if not, I'm I'm willing to bet that Brandon Staley's going to get fired if they lose this game. Yeah, I got Chargers. All right, last but not least, Monday Night Football. Both the Las Vegas Raiders and Lions look to get back on track after ugly losses this past weekend. I think the Lions end up coming out on top. Yeah, the Lions. By the way, I think this is the first time in show history we have agreed on every pick. So let's see how that works out for us. All right, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookies we are watching this week. Um, offensively... I am going to be looking at Sam Donald. I mean, Brock Purdy's out. He's going to be in. I know all during the offseason when Brock Purdy was on um, question to see if he was going to be available for the start of the season, it was a big talking point of saying, hey, we think Sam Donald could do the job if need be. Let's see if he can actually do it. 
I almost said Sam Darnold, but instead I'm going to go with King Henry for a couple of reasons. One, this could quite possibly be his last game as a Tennessee Titan. I want to see how he performs. And then two, it's looking like Ryan Tannehill is not going to be available to play this Sunday. And from reports I've seen, it looks like Will Levis is actually going to get the start. The best friend that you can give to a rookie quarterback is a good run game. And Derrick Henry is one of the best in the league. So from the trade tip, I want to see how he performs if this does end up leading to a trade. And then also just if they want to have a chance to win this game, Derrick Henry is going to have to have a good game because this Falcons defense, nobody would say it's the best in the league by any means, but they are competitive and you got to be able to run against them. All right, what? who's a defensive player you're watching? Defensive player, I'm going to go with another 49er. I'm going to say Nick Bosa. Like, if I'm not mistaken, he only has two sacks the whole season so far. Something. Yeah. Oh, you can keep going. I'm sorry. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say you do. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think he only has like two saves this whole season, and he's the guy that White was on the holdout the whole season to get his money, and now that he has it, for whatever reason, this is the worst season he's had since he's been there. Um. Yeah, I want to see if he's finally going to bounce back and get back on track. Yeah, he has two and a half sacks. And, yeah, he even admitted recently he thinks the holdout might have played a role in his slow start to the season. Um, I'm going to cheat. I don't have a defensive player. I have an entire defense, and I'm going to Cleveland Browns defense. Coming into last week's game against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, there was a lot of talk about them being the best defense in the league. I don't think anybody could realistically come away from watching that game and say they were that. If you want to get back on track, you got to have a big game. And mind you, so you're doing so against a better overall offense and DK, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, etc. And I think that if their defense does not stand firm and do its job, I think it's going to be another case of another loss. And it's going to be the downward trajectory of the Browns just because I don't trust this offense to really get the job done if the defense isn't carrying the load. All right, last one. Uh, what rookie are you watching this week? Ricky, um, obvious answer is Zayla Carter. I'm also going to say Keanu Benton. I do like me some Keanu Benton. I did see that, um, what's his name? Cam Hayward is coming back from uh, IR. I don't know if he's going to play this week, but he is able to return to practices. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm going to say Bryce Young. I mean, between the first few games of their careers, everyone is starting to already hail C.J. Stroud and question whether or not the Carolina Panthers made the right pick. Obviously, that's a bit premature considering the season just started. Give these guys a chance. But if I'm Bryce Young, there's a part of me that feels like I got a chip on the shoulder and remind everybody why I was the first overall pick. And so I'm excited to see what he does this weekend. All right, who are you calling out? I'm calling out... <laughs> I'm going to call out the Titans, like, still. Just, I don't, like I said, I don't expect us to win. But I just want to see some some stuff to, like, show us a glimpse of hope. Whether it be some highlight plays from Will Levy, some of the Willis, like, whether it be some kind of improved O-line play, or the defense kind of playing up to par which I know would be difficult because Kevin Byard's not gone. But, like, it went from, like, the first two games of the season, it was like, okay, we are 
was we're not bad, but we're not good. And now it's like the wheels are falling out. I just want some gifts to hope for the for the future. That's what I'm looking forward to. I feel that. Um, part of me wants to say Baltimore, but all it really is, just please don't fall into a trap game. So instead, I'm going to go to Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Joe Burrows, you got a week off to kind of rehab that calf. Like I said, the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco 49ers are in a bit of a vulnerable spot right now, not just because they lost two games. Don't know the status of Brock Purdy. First time out, Sam Donald is going to be trying out with these boys during a regular season game. If you're the Bengals and you want to show everyone, hey, we're still a top team in this league. We just kind of had a rough start. This is the game that matters, and you got to come out and make a statement. So I want to see the Bengals do that because, I mean, obviously I don't want them to be the worst team in the division, and I'll leave it at that. All right, let's move on to the NBA. First time in a while we actually get to do the recap of the week, and we're going to start off with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference for me, this was easy. I got Damian Lillard made a hell of a first impression. Uh, first game with the Bucks had 39 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Obviously, it's 81 more games to go, but what a way to start off his Bucks tenure. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. Like, I knew in the preseason when they played, they didn't, they didn't have, like, Rocky Marcus, especially Dang, trying to get acclimated. But it's like, he said, once the regular season started, and Giannis was like, hey, bro, here's the ball. You do what you do, and I'm going to just stay out the way. And he, and he, he rewarded them for that. So I got to go down as well. All right, Western Mama of the Week, I'm going Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Pretty much picked up where he left off last season. Uh, Nice a double-double against the Chicago Bulls. 31 points, 10 assists, also had five boards and a steal. I mean, he's a bad, bad man. And I know you and I both said we don't see him as a top-10 player, but if he can keep playing to this level or close to it, he's going to be top-10 before long. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with another guy that I believe should be in the top-10. I'm going to go with Devin Booker. Uh, opening night against the, uh, against the Warriors at 32. He honestly looked like he was the best player on the court, which is something amazing to say when, you have, when you're sharing a court with Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry. So I got to give props to people. I feel that. Had the uh, Suns won last night, I would think I was going to have to go KD just because I'm not – again, it's only week one. I mean, only game one. Well, game two, technically. I don't feel comfortable with the fact that we beat the Suns without K- without uh, Book and Bill by only five points. That's not soothing to my soul. I, I didn't want to say anything. No, it's okay. Yeah. You can say it. I mean, they don't, I, I mean, I know it's, it's what, game two of the season. And, like, I don't want to go too far, but this definitely not a good look in my opinion. It's a terrible look, but we, we can get to that. Uh, let's talk our top three takeaways of the first uh, few games of the season. Um, For me, starting at number three, it's very problematic that the Bulls already have had a players-only meeting after one game. I get it. That loss to the Thunder wasn't pretty, but, yo, we got 81 games to go, and y'all already having locked-door meetings. This is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, my number three, it concerns the full situation as well. This this team isn't gonna be the same team by the end of this year. Um if we're having players only meetings after game one, 
like, yeah, I don't see the team being, I don't see this roster being the same roster by the time the last game of the season hits. So, I would not be surprised if we see DeMar, especially because he has an aspiring contract, on a different team. Yeah, that trade deadline, they're going to get real busy because, yeah, this is rough. Um, number two for me, the Panthers have a shot to be one of the most fun teams to watch in the league this season. 143 games, I mean, 143 points to start the season. Sure, the Wizards scored 120 of their own, but hey, this is a team, the Pacers, nobody has any crazy expectations for them. They're incredibly young. Their best player is Tyrese Halliburton, and nobody's calling him a superstar at this point. I think that just because they work so well together and they're so able to spread the ball around and kind of let everybody eat, I think that's going to make them a really fun team to watch for fans and a tough team for opposing teams to defend just because you never really know who's going to go off on a particular night. So I'm excited to see what the Pacers do this year. Oh, my number two is the very lively experience in a highly anticipated matchup of Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic versus Victor Wimbiama in his first game in the NBA. Yes, Luka had an amazing game, but the guy that stole the show was very lively. If I'm not mistaken, he had like 16 and 10 and a couple blocks. And like he was, just, he just played great, like to the point where in his post game interview, Luke was like, "Yeah, he played everything amazing." So I gotta give him some props just because of like you, when you if you would have gone to that game thinking a young rookie center slash power forward had a great game, you automatically assumed it was Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. Um, number one talked about the Lakers. Going to keep talking about the Lakers. I get it from an age perspective. LeBron is going to be, what, 40 this year? 39, 40, one of the two? I get it. But the Lakers need LeBron too much to have him play 30 minutes. Like week one, I mean, after the first game, uh, Darvin Ham said, yeah, he's going to be playing like 28, 30 minutes a game. That's bull crap because literally last night he played all the fourth quarter. I get it. Again, I was very unsettled by the score of last night's game. And it really just shows LeBron is going to continue to have to carry the load for this team because AD had a fine game, had 30 points, a big bounce back from game one. But still, let's not even put into the air that LeBron's going to be on a minutes restriction because that's not happening. Um, For me, my number one also pertains to my favorite team. It is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, In the absence of Steven Adams, unless you guys – Unless they, not even unless, because I think they will, until they finally decide on a trade partner to get a big to simply kind of replace some of their production, there's no reason you should have two fast break points in a basketball game when you're an undersized team. Like, you play against a team that's bigger than you, and the New Orleans Pelicans you had, if I'm not mistaken, you had 23 turnovers and only two fast break points like that's going to be your formula for winning basketball games right now is you're going to have to get deflations get steals and you're going to have to increase the tempo and you're going to have to get fast break points so like that's going to have to change yeah it's kind of wild that they had like so looking at it now 
Pelicans yeah had twenty one points. They scored twenty eight points off turnovers, which is nice, but only two fast break points is actually insane, especially in today's NBA. And so many things happen in transition. Okay, so like this is kind of jumping a bit, but I'm happy you mentioned Stephen Adams. So with it being announced that he is done for the season, which sucks. You kind of talked about like potentially making a move for a big. What big do you think would help fill that role? Or do you think maybe they might try to wait it out till Brandon Clark is healthy? Or do you think they have to look outward to fill that position? I think regardless, they're going to have to look outward because Brandon, like Brandon Clark, we don't have a definitive timetable, but it's reported that he might be out for a good chunk of the season. Like, close to, like, some reports say he could be back in, like, January. Others are saying he could be back maybe, like, he might miss, like, 60 games of the season. So, like, with that uncertainty, I think it, even with him coming back regardless, I think it would be smart to have, uh, to go for another big. Which big, I think you could go a couple different options. Like, if you want to go, like, Big Fish, top top available, you can see what, what Atlanta wants to do with Clint Capella. Like, the Grizzlies have trade assets they have, um, first-round picks they have, expiring contracts they have, young players, to potentially get a guy like Clint Capella. You could also look at a guy like Robert Williams in Portland. I know he... He's also another guy that's kind of injury prone, but he could be an option. Then you can look at like kind of put like stopgap guys that aren't super big productive players, like maybe a Daniel Tice, um, somebody that I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing if they might, might take a look at is Andre Drummond because he he's a great rebounder one of the better rebounders in the NBA. And he always ends up, whatever team he goes, he'll start out getting playing time, but he kind of just ends up on the bench. And for a team like the Grizzlies that wants to utilize, like, an actual center alongside Jared, I think he could be a good option. So those are just a couple names that I can just think of off the top of my head. Like I said, I'm sure as the season winds down, and we get closer to the trade deadline. If the Grizzlies haven't made a move yet, I can see them going ahead and pull the trigger on one of those cats. All right, let's look at some uh, roster slash personnel moves. Following the Pacers' big season opening win, it came out that they have extended head coach Rick Carlisle uh, to a multi-year extension. He took over as the Pacers' head coach in 2021 and now has been given even more time to help rebuild the franchise. And after months of speculation, it is officially official. Giannis Antetokounmpo has signed a three-year, $186 million contract extension with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry, Uh, He has a player option during the 2027-2028 season. During, well, I can't even talk. While we were going through this saga and he was talking about what he wanted to see before signing that extension, he mentioned that he wanted to see that the team was as committed to winning another ring as he was. So we see Dame, we see how much he's produced game one. Do you think that the Bucks have done enough to make themselves a title contender for the next few years? Or do you think they still might need a little extra to ensure that they make it back into the NBA Finals? 
I think the bigger the bigger answer to that question is it just depends on health. Yeah. Because if all of those guys are healthy and all of those guys can play to their potential, I could definitely see the Bucks being like a championship caliber team for the next couple of years, maybe next three, depending on how how um, much of a decline Dane has in his older years. Um, obviously, you know, with year to year, you're going to have changes to a roster. You're going to have trades that happen. So, like, I don't see them. I don't see them having like the exact same roster. Like, I'm pretty sure when it comes down to Brook Lopez, that they might have to make some changes there. Jay Crowder, he's older. He might have to might have to make some changes with him. Chris Middleton is getting older, and he's coming off of like a couple of injury field seasons. But I still think that, like, at least if they're healthy, I see them having, like, a championship window for a couple of years. I would agree with that as well. I mean, a big part is the health. And I know Dame spoke highly about himself and said he thinks he can play, continue to play at this level for a long time. And, I mean, as a Dame fan, I hope that's the case. Um, but they're going to need that. They're going to need Dame to continue to play at a high level and to continue making those hard shots and really help take some of the defensive pressure off of Giannis so he can make things work in the post. And so because of that, I hope that they can do it. But like you said, at some point, there's going to be some changes to their personnel. I think both of us said we think as of right now, or at least a couple before the season started, that the Celtics end up coming out of the Eastern Conference. But I think if they can continue to play like this, they have a real strong shot of doing it this year. And maybe after the offseason, they make they make some, uh, some slight changes to the roster. They can make sure they make it for years to come. But talking about somebody who's made it to the finals, got him some rings, that is Andre Iguodala, who officially retired earlier this week. And Warriors owner Joe Lacob says the team will retire Iggy's number nine jersey at some point in the future. And so that begs the interesting question, if they're going to retire Iggy's jersey, should they also retire Kevin Durant? Recently, Kevin Durant was asked about the possibility of the Warriors retiring his 35 jersey and said this, the Warriors should. Look at the resume. That would warrant me to get a jersey retirement, right? Do I want to be honored by a franchise I put work in for? Of course, I would love that. I had some great moments there. I built some solid relationships there. Yeah, man, hell yeah, that would be sweet. I love that organization, man. I love my time there. Seriously, me leaving people shouldn't doubt that because I left there so this is an unbelievable buffoonery but do you think that at some point the Warriors will end up retiring Katie's jersey um I mean he was the, the best player on what two of their championship teams technically yeah I can see it happening I don't see it being something that happens like um immediately I can see it being something that might be several years down the line after he retires. KD is obviously very important to the Warriors. It's weird. Like, obviously, like, like if, if you look solely at the resume, yeah, sure. I would do it, but it's not one that's like, oh, yeah, I'm guaranteed to retire his jersey. It's like, if we're talking Miami and LeBron, they're guaranteed to retire his jersey. But with Kevin Durant, it just it just feels kind of different because he was the best player on that team, but nobody would say it was his team. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think anybody would be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely KD's team. It was always Steph's team. And so 
I'll say this: they're never gonna retire his jersey before Steph's jersey. And I, I know. and it makes sense to retire his, but I, I just don't think it's like a slam dunk. Obviously, they should do it, but that's just me. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our game of believable or buffoonery and get up out of here. And we're going to start things off with LeBron. Just mentioned him. He started to win rings as a member of the Miami Heat. However, Paul Pierce says had they played each other in their time, that wouldn't have been the case. Uh, he recently said, I always say I wish I was in my prime matching up against LeBron. Let's see how many championships he would have won then. I have my career high against LeBron. 50 points. That's an easy one without a doubt. Why do you think he moved to Miami? I set the U-Haul down there. So, believable or buffoonery. Had Paul Pierce played LeBron in his prime, LeBron would have fewer championships. For one, Paul Pierce, when you were in your prime, your facilities team was trash. Yeah. This is before like, KG got there, Ray Allen. Like, when you were in your prime, no, it was, you didn't have a good team. Like, y'all barely, I don't even think y'all made the playoffs. So, and now if you were to say, in my prime with KG and Ray Allen. Sure. Then I'd be like, yes. But, like, if you're just saying solely in your prime, team for team, No. You wouldn't have stopped LeBron from winning championships because you wouldn't even been in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm gonna say believable as well. And also, I mean, don't get me wrong. Taking away how much of a scrub I think Paul Pierce is as a person, he was a hell of a basketball player. He was the true for a reason, but he couldn't touch LeBron. Like LeBron in Miami versus Paul Pierce at his best, nah. Like, Cavs LeBron was very good, but he took it to a whole nother level in Miami. And just because you're at your prime compared to his prime, nah, I would pick the Heat still to whoop up on the Celtics. Not even close. All right, keeping the thing rolling. Uh, next up, we have a big announcement from Adam Silver. After the past few years of it being team captains and team captains get to pick the players, uh, that they took the court with for the All-Star game. Adam Silver, commissioner of the league, has announced that it will be returning to the East versus West format uh, this year at the 2024 All-Star game, as well as returning to 12-minute quarters. While some fans are kind of on the fence about it, is it believable or buffoonery that the NBA made the right call going back to the OG format? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Being honest, nobody, I don't think it's going to increase viewership because people really don't care about the All-Star game. Like, I think the best thing that they did was when they made the Elam ending a couple years ago because it made the game competitive. And that kind of got watered down this past season. So, I'm going to say performer. I like it. I think it was the right move just because, I mean, like you said, like nobody's like stopping what they're doing to watch the All-Star game, but I think it makes it a little bit more competitive just because it's kind of that sense of pride, like to show that, hey, my conference is better than yours. Now, if we're going to match up star for star, there's more stars in the Western Conference. But 
I think, again, I just think the this format makes it a little bit more competitive just from, like, a pride standpoint. So I don't really have an issue with it. Again, doesn't mean I'm going to drop whatever I'm doing to watch the game, but I, I like it. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to a NBA legend with a question mark, Robert Horry, who despite having seven rings is never mentioned as one of the greatest of all time because he was always just a role player who happened to be on pretty good teams. However, former teammate Shaquille O'Neal says there's no reason he should not be in the Hall of Fame. He said, if you look at the people that are in, I deserve to be in. If you look at the people who aren't in, I don't deserve to be in. For me, I'll be happy if I do. I'll be happy if I don't. Uh, if I don't, because basketball is a team sport. If I was a tennis player and I don't get into the Hall of Fame uh, for tennis, then I'd really be upset. But for me, it's a team sport. If the Hall of Fame comes calling one day, I'll be proud. If it doesn't, so be it. I know one thing. Half those guys in the Hall uh, don't deserve it. Then that's seven rings. Uh, so, Robert Horry, speaking on it, believable or buffoonery, should he be in the Hall of Fame? Um... I'm going to say no. I get he's a what, seven-time champion. He hit some big shots in his career to win championships. But, like, outside of the championships, he didn't really produce that much to earn a Hall of Fame resume. Yeah, I'm going to say buffoonery as well. Um, I misspoke. The quote I read was from Hori. Uh, when asked about it, Shaq said, Hell, MF, and yes, he should be a Hall of Famer. Speaking of Hori, which is kind of, yeah. I'm calling buffoonery, but like you said, he did, was a part of some great teams, had some solid moments, but if you ask anybody who wasn't watching basketball or not like a real basketball fan and you ask them who Robert Hori was, they probably couldn't tell you. So take that as you will. I'm, I'm going buffoonery. All right, talking about a team that is presently in the league, and that is the Toronto Raptors. While there seems to be many flaws within their rosters, or at least from the outside looking in, uh, Patrick Beverly says their biggest issue is that they don't have any dogs on their team. He said, if I see Siakam or Ananobi down a dark alley, I don't feel threatened. Believable or buffoonery, the Raptors really don't have any dogs, or for a better term, enforcers on their roster. They don't. I mean, he's not wrong. He's also, it's more so like, I guess to me, my question is, is why are you taking a shot at the Raptors for, not, for a random reason? Because it's Patrick Beverly. Like, yeah. So it's like, you don't, they don't really. I'll say this. Scotty, from what I've seen occasionally, Scotty Barnes ain't no, ain't no chump. But. I don't. I will say I don't think they have like an enforcer on the team. I mean, a lot of teams in the NBA right now don't have an enforcer. Like, so you know, it's also a different game where like having an enforcer isn't really that important. Because Pat Bev, you might consider yourself an enforcer, but like, bro, when times get when it's like crunch time and and you need people on the court, you're more than likely gonna be on the bench because you can't produce offensively so yeah yeah and I was gonna ask but I, th I guess you kind of just answered like do you think in today's NBA it's necessary to have them dogs like them enforcers on the team because I think it it has its place 
But it's like you don't see teams with the Udonis Haslam no more, you know? And they're doing fine. Like, I don't think that the Nuggets have an enforcer. And they're clearly doing okay. You know, they just won a championship. I don't even I don't even know if I say the Bucks have one. Maybe Bobby Portis, but even that's so yeah, I don't I don't totally think it's necessary in today's NBA, or at least not as much as it used to be. Yeah, I think like there are certain teams, like I would throw Bobby Porter's in that category. I would throw, you know, PJ Tucker is really in that category. Most definitely. Even even to an extent, like these um like I said, I'm also the home opener um this Wednesday. And Luke Kennard got which I hate because now apparently he has a concussion. But Luke Kennard got hit in the face on the play. The ref called a foul on Luke Kennard. Marcus Smart got a tick saying to the ref, like, how is he the one that got a foul and got hit in the face? Right. Like, so you do kind of need some of those guys that's willing to push their boundary to, like, defend their teammates. But you don't necessarily need to enforce it. Like, you do need somebody that's willing to, like, Go that extra mile. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it endears you in the locker room. Like, because it's usually, like, those enforcers, the people who really kind of set the tone, they don't put up crazy numbers, but they're respected by their teammates. Like, they're respected for their contributions and just, like, the people that they are. Like, that carries a lot of weight, and that's why those guys always seem to find a place on a team. So I'll say this. I think this it's great to have in a locker room just kind of have that camaraderie. But in terms of on-the-court success, I don't think it's that necessary. So like that. But all right, last thing before we get up out of here and make our game picks for tonight. Drew Holiday, a guy who's been talked about quite a bit over the past month or so, from being traded to the, from the Bucks to the Trailblazers to the Celtics. I mean, he's a guy who has widely been considered – underrated so much so that Andre Iguodala recently on first take said Drew Holiday is the most underrated player of this generation that's a pretty big claim is that believable or buffoonery I am going to say if I were to pick a top five most underrated for the generation he would definitely be in I don't think he would be number one yeah, I would agree with that because it's like Drew Holiday has always been good. I don't think people really recognize how good of a player he was till he came to the Bucks. But most generated of a generation is crazy because, like, where, where, like, what's the baseline? Like, what, what generation are we talking about? Yeah, and it's like this for me, a guy that I think has been severely. Underrated is um, CJ McCollum. That's like, a good one. Like him, I mean, even to an extent, like once he left the Raptors, I would also throw Demar in that category. I feel like people underrated him for a, a good chunk of years after he left Toronto, simply because like he was he wasn't there. Um. Because Toronto, they just had their own, like, fandom where everybody, even when he was there, I don't think he got enough enough credit like he deserves. But I would say those two. I'd pro- Sorry to interrupt. The name that first came to mind is probably going to stick with me. I'd probably say Mike Conley. 
I think nah, Mike Conley's more underrated. No, nah, yeah, especially when he was in Memphis, like, yeah. it was hard because, like, he was in the West. It was a lot of good point guards. Like, you had Chris Paul, you had Darren Williams for a couple of years. You had, um, like, then you had Steph come in and bang. But, like, Mike Conley is definitely, in my, in my personal opinion, I might say it's either CJ McCollum or Mike Conley. If I had to pick between those two, I think I would go Mike Conley. Now, if we talking like, let's say twenty twenty to now, I I wouldn't go Mike Conley. But just like this generation of guards, I'm definitely going Mike Conley. But yeah, CJ McCollum is crazy underrated too, because CJ McCollum is a bad bad dude. All right, uh, last thing, let's make some game picks and get up out of here. Uh, starting things off with your Memphis Grizzlies, uh, heading back to FedEx Forum, hosting the Denver Nuggets. As much as I would love the Grizzlies to get a dub, I got Nuggets. We taking the. I ain't gonna say that. I'm gonna be. I want to say we taking the fat air, but we gonna take it. Nah, not that's not gonna be a fat one. No, the stranger things have happened. All right, Detroit Pistons versus the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to go Hornets, I guess. I'm going to go Pistons. I hope the Pistons win. I actually really like Kay Cunningham. I, I really want to see what he does this year. Uh, New York Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks. I got Knicks. Knicks. Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals. I got Celtics taking this one. I got Celtics. Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to go Cavs. I'm going to go Cavs. Houston Rockets versus the San Antonio Spurs. This is tough. I'm I'm gonna, you know, no, nah, I'm gonna go Rockets. I, I think the Rockets pull out the dub. I'm gonna go Spurs. Toronto Raptors versus the Chicago Bulls. I'm gonna say Bulls. Hopefully they that meeting or whatever did something. I'm gonna say Bulls only because whenever Demar plays Toronto, apparently he start he goes crazy. And as he should. That's also kind of going back. I think that's another reason why he's underrated because people tried to be like, oh, well, he's the reason why they didn't win because once they got Kawhi, they want a ring. Like, nah, like, don't get me wrong. Kawhi is a bad dude, but DeMar was balling too. Let's let's calm down. Um, Brooklyn Nets versus the Dallas Mavericks. I got Nets. I got Mavs. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers versus the Utah Jazz. I got Clippers. Orlando Magic heading to Rip City to face the um, Portland Trailblazers. I I think Trailblazers get their first dub of the season. I think so, too. And last but not least, Golden State Warriors uh, facing off against the Sacramento Kings. Rematch of the first-round matchup. I got – I'm going to go Warriors. I got Kings. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content heard by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? I mean, this normal go tight, tig- go Titans, go Grizz, go Tigers. Uh, tonight, hope they do pull out a dub. It's going to be tough. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, like I said, I'm really looking forward to the NBA season. And I think it's going to be a fun season. Yeah. Um, you know, go Ravens. Please continue to support my work with the Colts. Greatly appreciate it. Did a really cool story on the players of African descent. 
um, in the Colts locker room that I'm really proud of. Y'all should check it out, please and thank you. Um, yeah, LSU has the week off, so they can't stress me out this weekend. They will next week when we play Bama. So go Tigers, go. Handle y'all business. Um, go Grizz, obviously. Lakers. I'm happy I don't have expectations for them because they would just do nothing but stress me out. So excited to see what they do. Um, basketball season. This is probably the more most excited I've been for a basketball season in a while. Um, just because it's been quite a few changes. So we'll see how things go. Uh, again, thank y'all so much for listening. And we will see you all next time.